Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of his kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Wednesday, November 3rd. Journey with me through the entire Bible in one year, focusing on the biblical calendar, the Sabbath, the feasts, and the Torah reading cycle. We have many voices, interpretations, and points of view out there, but there is nothing like listening to the crystal clean, pure Word of God in your life. It is living water for your spirit. As it is written in Romans 10:17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. When we listen to the spoken word of God, it is living and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Hebrews 4.12 The word of God is alive, it is powerful, and it renews our mind and builds up our spirit. Are you being blessed by this ministry? Please consider supporting Daily Audio Torah. You can make a one-time or a recurring donation by going to dailyaudiotorah.com and then click on the Give pick on the navigation menu. You can then make a secure online donation there. Thank you for your prayers, and thank you for your support. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the Israel Bible for the Hebrew Scriptures and from the King James for the Brit Hadashah. Today we continue the Torah portion, Toldot, and it means generations. Genesis 26, 23-29 From there he went up to Beersheba. That night Hashem appeared to him and said, I am the God of your father Abraham. Fear not, for I am with you, and I will bless you and increase your offspring for the sake of my servant Abraham. So he built an altar there and invoked Hashem by name. Isaac pitched his tent there, and his servants started digging a well. And Abimelech came to him from Gerar with Ahuzath his counselor and Phicol chief of his troops. Isaac said to them, Why have you come to me, seeing that you have been hostile to me, and have driven me away from you? And they said, We now see plainly that Hashem has been with you, and we thought, Let there be a sworn treaty between our two parties, between you and us. Let us make a pact with you, that you will do us no harm, just as we have not molested you, but have always dealt kindly with you, and sent you away in peace. From now on, Be you blessed of Hashem. Ezekiel 7, 1 to 9, 11 The word of Hashem came to me. 
You, O mortal, say, Thus said Hashem to the land of Israel, Doom. Doom is coming upon the four corners of the land. Now doom is upon you. I will let loose my anger against you and judge you according to your ways. I will requite you for all your abominations. I will show you no pity and no compassion, but I will requite you for your ways and for the abominations in your midst. And you shall know that I am Hashem. Thus said Hashem, A singular disaster, a disaster is coming. Doom is coming. The hour of doom is coming. It stirs against you. There it comes. The cycle has come around for you, O inhabitants of the land. The time has come. The day is near. There is panic on the mountains, not joy. Very soon I will pour out my wrath upon you and spend my anger on you. I will judge you according to your ways, and I will requite you for all your abominations. I will show you no pity and no compassion, but I will requite you for your ways and for the abominations in your midst. And you shall know it was I, Hashem, who punished. Here is the day, see, the cycle has come round, it has appeared, the rod has blossomed, arrogance has budded, lawlessness has grown into a rod of wickedness. Nothing comes of them, nor of their abundance, nor of their wealth, nor is there preeminence among them. The time has come, the day has arrived. Let not the buyer rejoice, nor the seller mourn, for divine wrath shall overtake all her multitude. For the seller shall not return to what he sold, so long as they remain among the living. For the vision concerns all her multitude. It shall not be revoked. And because of his guilt, no man shall hold fast to his life. They have sounded the horn, and all is prepared. But no one goes to battle, for my wrath is directed against all her multitude. The sword is outside, and pestilence and famine are inside. He who is in the open shall die by the sword. He who is in the town shall be devoured by famine and pestilence. And if any survive, they shall take to the mountains. They shall be like doves of the valley, moaning together, every one for his iniquity. All hands shall grow weak, and all knees shall turn to water. They shall gird on sackcloth, and horror shall cover them. Every face shall betray shame, and every head shall be made bald. They shall throw their silver into the streets, and their gold shall be treated as something unclean. Their silver and gold shall not avail to save them in the day of Hashem's wrath, to satisfy their hunger or to fill their stomachs, because they made them stumble into guilt. For out of their beautiful adornments in which they took pride, they made their images and their detestable abominations. Therefore I will make them an unclean thing to them. I will give them as spoil to strangers, and as plunder to the wicked of the earth, and they shall defile them. I will turn my face from them, and my treasures shall be defiled. Ruffians shall invade it and defile it. Forge the chain, for the land is full of bloody crimes, and the city is full of lawlessness. I will bring in the worst of the nations to take possession of their houses. So shall I turn to naught the pride of the powerful, and their sanctuaries shall be defiled. Horror comes and they shall seek safety, but there shall be none. Calamity shall follow calamity, and rumor follow rumor. 
Then they shall seek vision from the Navi in vain. Instruction shall perish from the Kohen, and counsel from the elders. The king shall mourn, the prince shall clothe himself with desolation, and the hands of the people of the land shall tremble. I will treat them in accordance with their own ways, and judge them according to their deserts, and they shall know that I am Hashem. In the sixth year, on the fifth day of the sixth month, I was sitting at home, and the elders of Yehuda were sitting before me, and there the hand of Hashem fell upon me. As I looked, there was a figure that had the appearance of fire. From what appeared as his loins down, he was fire, and from his loins up, his appearance was resplendent and had the color of amber. He stretched out the form of a hand and took me by the hair of my head. A spirit lifted me up between heaven and earth and brought me in visions of Hashem to Jerusalem, to the entrance of the Penemeth gate that faces north. That was the sight of the infuriating image that provokes fury. And the presence of the God of Israel appeared there like the vision that I had seen in the valley. And he said to me, O mortal, turn your eyes northward. I turned my eyes northward, and there, north of the gate of the altar, was that infuriating image on the approach. And he said to me, Mortal, do you see what they are doing? The terrible abominations that the house of Israel is practicing here to drive me far from my sanctuary? You shall yet see even greater abominations. Then he brought me to the entrance of the court, and I looked, and there was a hole in the wall. He said to me, Mortal, break through the wall. So I broke through the wall and found an entrance. And he said to me, Enter and see the vile abominations that they are practicing here. I entered and looked, and there all detestable forms of creeping things and beasts and all the fetishes of the house of Israel were depicted over the entire wall. Before them stood seventy men, elders of the house of Israel, with Jazaniah son of Shaphan standing in their midst. Everyone had a censer in his hand, and a thick cloud of incense smoke ascended. Again he spoke to me, O mortal, have you seen what the elders of the house of Israel are doing in the darkness, everyone in his image-covered chamber? For they say, Hashem does not see us. Hashem has abandoned the country. And he said to me, You shall see even more terrible abominations which they practice. Next he brought me to the entrance of the north gate of the house of Hashem, and there sat the women bewailing Tammuz. He said to me, Have you seen, O mortal? You shall see even more terrible abominations than these. Then he brought me into the inner court of the house of Hashem, and there at the entrance to the temple of Hashem between the portico and the altar were about twenty-five men, their backs to the temple of Hashem, and their faces to the east. They were bowing low to the sun in the east. And he said to me, Do you see, O mortal? Is it not enough for the house of Yehuda to practice the abominations that they have committed here, that they must fill the country with lawlessness and provoke me still further, and thrust the branch to their nostrils?' 
I in turn will act with fury. I will show no pity or compassion. Though they cry aloud to me, I will not listen to them. Then he called loudly in my hearing, saying, Approach, you men in charge of the city, each bearing his weapons of destruction. And six men entered by way of the upper gate that faces north, each with his club in his hand, and among them was another clothed in linen with a writing case at his waist. They came forward and stopped at the bronze altar. Now the presence of the God of Israel had moved from the cherub on which it had rested to the platform of the house. He called to the man clothed in linen with the writing case at his waist. And Hashem said to him, Pass through the city, through Jerusalem, and put a mark on the foreheads of the men who moan and groan because of all the abominations that are committed in it. To the others he said in my hearing, Follow him through the city and strike. Show no pity or compassion. Kill off gray beard, youth and maiden, women and children, but do not touch any person who bears the mark. Begin here at my sanctuary. So they began with the elders who were in front of the house. And he said to them, Defile the house and fill the courts with the slain, then go forth. So they went forth and began to kill in the city. When they were out killing and I remained alone, I flung myself on my face and cried out, O Hashem, are you going to annihilate all that is left of Israel, pouring out your fury upon Jerusalem? He answered me, The iniquity of the houses of Yehudah and Israel is very, very great. The land is full of crime, and the city is full of corruption. For they say Hashem has forsaken the land, and Hashem does not see. I, in turn, will show no pity or compassion. I will give them their deserts. And when the man clothed in linen with the writing case at his waist brought back word, saying, I have done as you commanded me. Hebrews 5, 1-14 For every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. Who can have compassion on the ignorant, and on them that are out of the way, for that he himself also is compassed with infirmity? And by reason hereof he ought, as for the people, so also for himself, to offer for sins. And no man takes this honor to himself but he that is called of God, as was Aaron. So also Yeshua glorified not himself to be made a high priest, but he that said to him, You are my son, today I have begotten you. And he said also in another place, You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears to him, that was able to save him from death, and was heard in that he feared. Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation to all them that obey him. Called of God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. 
of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing you are dull of hearing. For when the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk, and not of strong meat. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongs to them that are of full age, even those who, by reason of use, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Psalm 105, 1-15 O give thanks to the Lord, call upon His name, make known His deeds among the people. Sing to Him, sing psalms to Him, talk of all His wondrous works, glory in His holy name. Let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord. Seek the Lord and His strength, seek His face forevermore. Remember His marvelous works that He has done, His wonders, and the judgments of His mouth. O you seed of Abraham His servant, you children of Jacob His chosen. He is Yahweh our Elohim, His judgments are in all the earth. He has remembered His covenant forever, the word which He commanded to a thousand generations which covenant he made with Abraham and his oath unto Isaac, and confirmed the same unto Jacob for a law, and to Israel for an everlasting covenant, saying, Unto you will I give the land of Canaan, the lot of your inheritance. When they were but a few men in number, yes, very few, and strangers in it, when they went from one nation to another, from one kingdom to another people, He suffered no man to do them wrong. Yes, he reproved kings for their sakes, saying, Touch not my anointed, and do my prophets no harm. Proverbs 26.28 A lying tongue hates those that are afflicted by it, and a flattering mouth works ruin. I want to speak to you today from Ezekiel's chapter 7, 8, and 9. And we're going to begin with verses 14 and 15 in Ezekiel 7. But I want to give you an overview that in these chapters, it's describing the level of abominations and corruption and evil within the Hebrew nation, Israel, and its soon coming demise and what God is going to do to judge it. And as we read this, I can't but help to make the connection to what's going on in the world today in the nations. There's just many, many similarities between what was going on then with Israel and its decline Uh, and its impending judgment coming from the Lord and what we see going on in the nations today. So, let's look at chapter 7, verses 14 and 15, where it is written, They have sounded the horn, and all is prepared, but no one goes to battle, for my wrath is directed against all her multitude. The sword is outside, and pestilence and famine are inside. He who is in the open shall die by the sword, and he who is in the town hall shall be devoured by famine and pestilence. 
So we see three things, three areas of judgment, the sword, pestilence, and famine going on in that time as God is judging the nation of Israel. And what do we see today in our current culture? The pestilence is, of course, the COVID virus that was engineered in a lab and then intentionally released upon the nations. And we're now beginning to see supply chain major bottlenecks and breakdowns in the supply chain. So that's going to have an impact on uh, what you can find in the grocery store. Famine. And then the sword. Well, we're seeing lots and lots of uh, training exercises, meetings going on between Russia and China, uh, lots of muscle flexing, ships in position preparing for battle uh, between China and Taiwan, uh, flights going on in the air over Taiwan. We see lots of signs that the nations are preparing for war. The sword is looming over our head. Now continuing on in chapter 7, verses 23 and 24. Forge the chain, for the land is full of bloody crimes, and the city is full of lawlessness. I will bring in the worst of the nations to take possession of their houses. So shall I turn to naught the pride of the powerful and their sanctuaries shall be defiled. So this was a description of what Israel was back then in the time of Ezekiel, full of bloody crimes, city full of lawlessness. But isn't that what we see today, at least in America, and perhaps throughout Europe and Australia and other places as well? We see bloody crimes. We see tons of corruption. We see tyrant tyranny being implemented and imposed upon people uh, with these mandated vaccines and masks and lockdowns and quarantines and that sort of thing. And the city is full of lawlessness. Well, let me say what lawlessness is. The word iniquity used in the New Testament is the word in Greek. Greek is anomia, anomia. And anomia means to be without the Torah. So normally when we hear the word lawlessness, we think, well, it's crime. It's, you know, anything goes. There's no boundaries. There's no rules. You can steal and kill and rob and be a thief. Well, lawlessness is actually to be without the Torah. And when a nation or a people turns away from the Torah, then you have lawlessness. And when I use the word Torah, I'm going to define my words. I'm not just talking about the first five books of the Old Testament. I'm talking about the entire Bible, cover to cover, Genesis to Revelation. All of it includes the Torah, because Yeshua is the Torah made flesh. Okay, so we see a lot of parallels then between the condition of the nation of Israel in the time of Ezekiel and what he's describing of what was going on then and what's going on today. And God judged Israel back then, and he will judge the nations. How long can the evil that we are seeing today go on before God must intervene and judge the nations? Okay, now let's look at chapter 8, verse 12. And again he spoke to me, O mortal, have you seen what the elders of the house of Israel are doing in the darkness, everyone in his image-covered chamber? 
For they say, Hashem does not see us. Hashem has abandoned the country. Now, here's a thought I wanted to share. Satan is not able to do anything creative, uh, to initiate or create anything. He's a copycat. All he can do is do counterfeit and copycat. And so God is all-knowing. He is all-seeing. He is omniscient. So what is Satan's copycat of that? It is the modern-day surveillance system. The modern-day police state that we see rising in the nations, in the UK, in America, and across the nations. So we have... um, CCTV cameras everywhere. We have all kinds of spying going on with our phones, with our internet. If you don't use a VPN, you're being spied upon. They're following your IP address. Um, They have a whole profile on each and every one of us. They keep track of what we purchase, where we go, what we buy, how we spend our money. It's all of this surveillance that is rising up in a major way the artificial intelligence entity that is currently being constructed and built out. Um, So this is Hasatan's copycat of of who God is, that God is all-knowing and all-seeing. Okay, let's jump into um, Ezekiel, verse 14. Let's start with verse 13. And he said to me, you shall see even more terrible abominations which they practice. Next, he brought me to the entrance of the north gate of the house of Hashem, the temple. And there sat women bewailing Tammuz. Now, who was Tammuz? Okay, so Tammuz is the son of Ishtar. So let me just, I'm going to read this from the SabbathCovenant.com website. Um, It's a book, an online book that was written about this mystery religion, the religion of Ishtar. Tammuz was a great hunter like his supposed father Nimrod. Tammuz was killed by a wild pig in a hunting accident. Supposedly on December 25th is when he was killed. Semiramis was then expanded on her new religion, explaining that her immortal god's son, who died, was resurrected and became one with his father, the sun god, Baal. And he supposedly resurrected on Easter Sunday, Ishtar, Easter. So Easter is, you know, a play off of Ishtar. So the Trinity was further defined. Nimrod, Semiramis, and Tammuz became worshipped as the divine Godhead, a triune God in opposition to Yahweh, the one and only true living God. The Son was the Father, the Father was the Son, and both were one with the Mother through marriage. Okay, so a little bit more about this. Okay, over many centuries, a very well-defined religion evolved from the beginnings in Babylon. This mystery religion of almost all pagan cultures shared a defined structure. Although the names vary depending upon the culture and language, the basic structure remained. 1. Godhead in the form of a trinity or triune gods. 2. A day of worshipping the sun god called Sunday. 3. A symbol of the Son of God, the cross of Tammuz, a cutout of the center of the zodiac. 4. A resurrection day celebration on Ishtar Day. 
commemorated on the vernal equinox in the spring, or Easter, when winter turns to spring each year around the end of March, the eating of a pig or ham on Ishtar Day as the sacrifice to Tammuz. 5. A holiday celebration of the annual rebirth of the sun god on the winter solstice. That would be December 25th. This celebration is held each year on the shortest day of the year when the sun is reborn and the days begin to get longer around December 25th. And six, the second member of the Trinity who was the incarnation of God. It is these aspects of the mystery religion of Babylon. That's the main structure of it. So when Tammuz was 40 years old, he was hunting in the woods and he was killed by a wild boar or a pig. And that is why we eat ham on Easter, even though it is against Yahweh's commandments to eat pig. He took after his father Nimrod in that he was a mighty hunter. After Tammuz died, his mother, also his wife, Semiramis, began a custom in Babylon called 40 Days of Weeping for Tammuz, where people were commanded to fast and pray for Tammuz in the underworld. They exchanged one day of pleasure in this life for each year of Tammuz's life. So this is a little bit of context and background to uh, what we read in Ezekiel chapter 8. In chapter 8, verse 14, where we see these women bewailing Tammuz. And so from Tammuz, we see these pagan origins of Christmas and Easter. Now let's look at verse 16. Then he brought me into the inner court of the house of Hashem, and there, at the entrance to the temple of Hashem, between the portico and the altar, were about 25 men, their backs to the temple of Hashem, and their faces to the east, and they were bowing low to the sun in the east. This is a picture of sun worship. And this is a big, huge reason why Constantine and the early church fathers in around 300 A.D., or 325 A.D., somewhere in that neighborhood, when they had the council of Nicaea, they decided to uh, completely cut off the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith and have nothing to do with the Sabbath, which is the command, which is what the command is from the Ten Commandments. And instead, they went to sun worship, because they were incorporating the worship of the sun, the worship of Baal, the worship of the sun god, by switching the day from Shabbat to Sunday. And so. Um, we see how this paganism has crept into the mainstream Christian church. And most people don't know. They have no idea. They have honest hearts, and they honestly want to worship the Lord and worship Yeshua, Jesus, and they just don't know. But once you do know, you cannot unsee what you have seen. And once you see it, you're held accountable to that truth and to that light that's been shown to you. So. Um, continuing on in chapter 9, verse 4, it says, And Hashem said to him, Pass through the city, through Jerusalem, and put a mark on the foreheads of the men who moan and groan because of all the abominations that are committed in it. 
The Israel Bible commentary to that verse reads as follows. Ezekiel is shown a vision of the death of the guilty in Jerusalem. Before the executions commence, he sees a messenger in white linen mark the foreheads of those who grieve and lament over the destruction, ensuring that a righteous remnant remains. To set a mark in Hebrew is vihivita, tav based on which the sages explain that the mark that was made was the Hebrew letter Tav. Like the mark of Cain, which according to Rashi was also a Hebrew letter, this mark is intended to save its bearers from harm. Now think about it. The Lord has a mark. He had a mark back then, historically. And this mark was based upon those who were repenting who were standing in the gap and repenting over the abominations that were going on in the city. And so we see that there's this mark that's placed upon people's foreheads, and it's a mark basically because the person is in a a place of repentance. Now, the enemy, again, he does the counterfeit. He has the mark of the beast. And the mark of the beast, which is spoken of in Revelation, you cannot buy or sell without this mark. Okay? So we are now seeing the construction and the rollout of the beast system. We are seeing with these vaccines and the nanobots that are contained within the serum and the luciferase. Luciferase, it's an enzyme. Uh, that's within the serum of the Moderna vaccine. You can go to the Moderna.com website and look, uh, click on the tab that says intellectual property. And then it says, if you would like to see our patents, click here. So when you click here and follow that link, it shows a PDF document of the patent for the Moderna vaccine. And if you type in the word in the search box, luciferase, luciferase, you will find that that is an ingredient in the Moderna vaccine. So what is luciferase? Luciferase is an enzyme that causes bioluminescence. In other words, um, it causes uh, arteries and tissue to light up when you put it under black light. And I actually recently saw a video clip of a person who had been jabbed. And when they put a black light near themselves in the jab site, it lit up quite brilliantly. And also the veins in their arm were lit up purple under the black light. So why why would somebody name an enzyme luciferase? And remember, lucifer means angel of light. And make that an ingredient in the Moderna vaccine. That's absolutely evil. Absolutely evil. And so, um, this mark, what we want to have is we want to have the mark of God on us that we are moaning and groaning and crying out in our prayer closets and repenting and lamenting over the abominations that we see going on around us. It is okay to mourn and to grieve and to cry out over this evil that we see spreading so rapidly throughout the nations. And so I believe, (laughs) similarly, there's going to be an invisible mark on God's people on their forehead that maybe we cannot see it, but the angels can see it. 
And it's a mark that shows that we are uh, crying out to the Lord. We are weeping. We are groaning in our spirit and, and brokenhearted over all of the evil and the sin and the corruption that's going on in this world, the death of so many, of the uh, corruption of children's bodies as they're getting ready to uh, roll out the vaccine for the age 5 five to 11-year-old age bracket in Israel and in America and throughout the nations, um, that this, this can be such a huge grief and a weightiness upon us. And yet... God sees our heart and he sees the situation and he's going to move. He's going to move. He can't let this go on for very long because if it goes on for very long, unless, you know, he intervenes, many will be wiped out. Many will be wiped out. And so he has to intervene and he will. And we trust he will in his way and in his time. So finally, in chapter 9, verse 9, it says, He answered me, uh, let's start with verse 8. When they were out killing, the angels were out killing those who did not have the mark upon their head. When they were out killing, I remained alone. I flung myself on my face and cried out, Ah, Hashem, are you going to annihilate all that is left of Israel, pouring out your fury upon Jerusalem? And he answered me, The iniquity of the house of Judah and Israel is very, very great. The land is full of crime, and the city is full of corruption. For they say, Hashem has forsaken the land, and Hashem does not see. Yes, he does see. Now look, he's talking to both the northern kingdom, the non-Jewish part of the nation of Israel, that includes you and me, my friend, and it also, and he's talking to the house of Judah, the southern kingdom, that would be the Jewish brethren. And so there's just so many parallels between the level of corruption that was going on then and how God dealt with Israel then and what we see today. We see the land today full of crime. Murder rates have skyrocketed since the whole defund the police movement began. And um, many police officers are retiring or quitting or getting out or have been laid off because they've been defunded. And so we see murder uh, rates skyrocketing in places like Chicago and Seattle and L.A. and D.C. For they say, Hashem has forsaken the land and Hashem does not see. Oh, yes, he does. He sees it all. And I believe that there's a bowl in heaven. And when the bowl is full of the iniquities, he's going to tip that bowl over. And then he's going to act. When when that bowl gets to a certain level, when the fullness of sin reaches to the top of the bowl, um, it's the same thing in Egypt. The people wondered, when in the world is God going to act? When's he going to move? Here we are. We're slaves. We're in bondage. We're suffering. And it wasn't the right time. And some a few some of the Hebrews tried to leave too soon before Moses came on the scene, and they perished. It was it was a dead end for them. So there's a fullness of time and a fullness of sin. And when the fullness of sin has come and the fullness of time has come, God will act and he will deal with all of this stuff. So I thank you, Father God, that you see all of this. You see what was going on then and you see what's going on today. And it's a stench in your nostrils, and it's a stench in our nostrils. And we ask you, Lord, we cry out to you, come, Yeshua, come.
Come and deal with the corruption and the evil throughout the nations. It's not just in one nation or in a region of nations. It's in every country on earth. We see this uh, corruption and evil and tyranny rising, this beast system rising. So we say, Yeshua, our eyes are upon you. We look to you. We trust in you. Our hope is in you. Our life is in you. Our joy is in you. And we lift up those that we know and love, those that we work with, family members who are lost, who are deceived, who don't know you, who are away from you. And we pray, Father, have mercy upon them. Have mercy upon them. Wake them up. Wake them up and bring them into your kingdom. We speak salvation over them. We speak the blood of Yeshua over them. And we pray that you'll wake them up soon and quickly. And we ask it in Yeshua's name. Amen. Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24 to 26. Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. <laughs>